Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Unplayable Podcast reviewing day two of an action-packed day of Test Match Cricket in Pune, where it stumps Australia a 4 for 143, holding a 298-run lead. Okay, here's what happened. Australia were bowled out for 260, and by lunch, India were 3 for 70, with Virat Kohli out for a second ball duck. If you reckon that's hard to believe, wait till you hear this. In the afternoon session, India got to 3 for 94, before losing 7 for 11 to be bowled out for 105, and concede 155 runs in the first innings. Simon O'Keefe was the chief destroyer. He claimed 6 for 30. In their second innings, Australia lost openers David Warner and Sean Marsh early before Steve Smith steadied the ship to end the day unbeaten on 59. Here to fill you in with everything you need to know about day two is cricket.com.au senior writer Andrew Ramsey and Rambo. What a day of test cricket. Remarkable day of test cricket, Sam. It's When you said it was day two of the test, it was hard to believe. It's almost like we've been there for three or four days. So much has happened, but in such a short space of time. Okay, so Australia were all out for 260. Mitchell start the last man out in the first over of the day for 61. Like India did on day one, Australia started with seam and spin. Stark and Stephen O'Keefe shared the new ball, but it was Josh Hayeswood who captured the first wicket. Murali Vijay caught behind for 10. Stark returned in the 15th over and two balls in. He removed Pajara and then two balls later he caught the big fish. Virat Kohli, he edged a wide half volley to Peter Hanscom at first slip. India were three for 44 at that stage, and uh, the crowd, Rambo, was stunned silent. They'd barely stopped screaming when for, to welcome Virat to the crease, and they had to all stop and uh, watch him walk off. It was, um, I don't think the Australians could have planned it any better. The dismissal of Pujara by Stark was a bit of a highlight of the day, really. There was for a pitch that's had nothing in it for anyone. He managed to get one to, to bounce um, and caught Pujara much by surprise. But then I'm not sure if the Coley dismissal was a plan. Are you, given the result, you would suggest that it was. You, you'd tell people it was. Mm. Wide, angled across, half volley that kind of played on his ego a bit, thinking I'll smack that one away or at least play a shot they didn't need to play. Um, and to get two top-order wickets in the space of three balls was big. To get Virat second ball for a duck was huge because, as we've suggested before, when Virat doesn't fire, the rest of the uh, batting order can look a little bit wobbly around him. I think it was 933 days since his last Test match duck, and it's the first Test match duck on Indian soil for the Indian skipper. Steve O'Keefe sort of played down his dismissal, even though it was a big wicket, and he was very jubilant when it got captured. Uh, but just how important was that, Rambo? You don't get Virat Kohli out for a duck every other day. No, and the, but the Indian openers had looked reasonably comfortable um certainly kl rahul looked very comfortable um the pajara wicket as i said was probably one against the run of play so uh, they probably thought they would you know, nipped one out there that they uh, maybe weren't expecting but then to get virat so quickly afterwards suddenly they weren't just back in the game they were actually probably marginally in front so um the belief that would have given them heading into lunch uh, shortly after that and also the the, the message it sent to the indian dressing room on a pitch that um, batting was difficult on day one, it was significantly more difficult on day two, and Lord knows what it's going to be like come day three. So uh, uh, as soon as you start to lose a couple of wickets in succession, the people in the dressing room 
get the, the wobbly boots on, and that's certainly what happened after lunch. Well, in the eighth over after lunch, the collapse began. Are you ready for this, Rambo? Uh, I'm still not ready for it, Sam. Okay, I'm going to read it anyway. Okay, O'Keefe captured the first three. First was KL Rahul, who was caught on the rope to be out for 64. Two balls later, Ajinka Rahani was squared up and caught brilliantly by Hanscom at second slip. In the same over, Ritterman Saha, the wicketkeeper, he edged a straight one to Smith at first slip. In the next over, Nathan Lyon had Ravi Ashwin out caught at short leg after the batsman edged the ball onto his boot and was taken by Hanscom at short leg just inches off the ground. Three overs went by before Giant Yadav was smartly stumped by Matthew Wade. Twelve balls later, O'Keefe had his fifth when Ravindra Dadeja holed out to Stark at wide long on and the collapse was complete when Umash Yadav edged a wild swipe to Smith at first slip. India lost seven for 11 in 47 balls and were all out for just 105. It was their there were seven wicket collapse ever, and 105 is India's second lowest total ever against Australia on home soil, narrowly avoiding the 104 they made in Mumbai in 2004. Remember, I can't, uh, I can't come up with anything else, mate. You speak for a little while. You're quite breathless there, aren't you? Um, it's, we're not unaccustomed to seeing teams lose wickets in a hurry in India, certainly in Asia. Um, it's very rare that it's the home team. Uh, it, as you say, India haven't collapsed like that on home soil for quite some time. Um, and it was this very much the the home team recipe, wasn't it? It was uh, you know, taking wickets, putting the new batsmen in under enormous pressure, landing the ball in the right spot, making them play every time, which is what Steve O'Keefe was doing. He wasn't spinning the ball extravagantly. Um, he was spinning it enough at times to create a bit of doubt, so then they were playing for balls that they thought were going to spin that maybe didn't spin as much as they did. So it was as much a, a mind game as a technical triumph. Um, but to have... Men around the bat, not just men around the bat, but men around the bat who were catching things that came their way. A couple of very smart catches from Peter Hanscom, who was uh, drafted into first slip because Matthew Renshaw still wasn't well. Um, and Matt Wade's stumping was very clever. Uh, you know, you'd only marginally dragged his foot outside or yep. on the line. Um, it was a very nifty bit of work. You'd have to think that everything that they tried went right in that little period. I mean, you don't pick up seven wickets for... 11 runs unless you're uh, everything's falling into place for you but uh, you could just see that the, the Indian crowd and even the the Indian dressing room from what you could glean there was a, a sense of if not panic then certainly disquiet as to what was happening around them and most people were quite stunned when the end came as quickly as it did so I think we all thought that someone like Ravi Ashman or even Ravindra Jadeja might show a bit of late order resistance as they've done so often and it's happened to the Australians so often in Sri Lanka as well, where they got through the top order, thought they'd set themselves up in the game only to find someone hang around and put on a you know, 100, 150 partnership down the end. So to get through with a lead of uh, what they had, which was over 150, 155, I think, Sam. Was, Correct, uh, I believe uh, so. An absolute bonus. Rambo, India have been so dominant at home this summer that after play, the coach, Anil Kumble, spoke to the media and he said it was just one of those days of after a, such a strong performance throughout the summer that one day they were going to fail, one day the batting order wasn't going to click. Um, is it is that a, something of a cop out? Is that is that what we is that what we read into this that it just happened to be today when all the things, all the ducks were in in line and uh, Australia everything went right and everything went wrong for India? Uh, yeah, I think the probably the, the bit the thing he neglected to say was they didn't bat very well. Um, mm. There wasn't a lot of application. There were some of those dismissals, the Rahul dismissal was probably key because he was the uh, fellow who was motoring on pretty well and looked comfortable as anyone who's batted on that pitch um but to then charge sort of at steve o'keefe shortly after lunch when there was no need to play that shot um hit one down the throat of long off and in the process 
looked like he'd fractured his arm in several places. Such was the pain yeah. that he descended into on the pitch. I'm not sure what he did to his shoulder with that shot. But that's a strange shot because he hit Lyon for six and he wheeled around in pain. So then he tried to loft another ball and the same things happened. Yeah, which is a, you're not quite sure what was going through his head at that stage because the man was out, obviously. He was trying to hit it on the leg side. In fairness, he wasn't trying to hit it over long off. But um, it was a strange shot selection at that time of the game when they just were just travelling along quite nicely at three for 70, um, or three for 90-odd. So uh, there was not there was some poor batting. There was some very good bowling. It wasn't um, unplayable bowling, as many a good podcast is called. Um, it was accurate, nagging, landing on the right spot kind of bowling that, as they like to say in the jargon of the game, asked questions of the batsman every ball. Lots of questions asked. Steve O'Keefe, how good was he today? Nathan Lyons, the premier spinner, but uh, I believe some, you know, it's called Steve O'Keefe, the weakest bowler on the Australian team, which I find quite amusing. But he, like you said, he's put the ball in the spot. Um, none of those those six wickets that he claimed were balls that bounced low or spun extravagantly. They were just pretty good deliveries and some some poor shots. I think even Kumble said there were some soft dismissals in there. He's the kind of guy that really compliments Lyon so well and just shows that what he could have done in that Sri Lanka tour had he not got injured in the first test. Uh, true, yes. And you kind of got the feeling from the Pujara shot that they just decided he was the bowler that had to go. Um, so apart from the fact that he's picked up six wickets, he may also have sent a message to them that he's not uh, a club bowler, as one former Indian test batsman described him earlier in the week, uh, that he is indeed a genuine test bowler and a threatening one at that. Um, he did tell us at the end of the day that he'd made a couple of tweaks during the lunch break. Uh, he didn't think his first six overs were very good. In fact, he described them as ordinary bowling. He'd bowled seven overs for 23 at the lunch break and then went out with his spin coach, Sri, which I think is the accepted abbreviation because we all struggle with his full name, which has got a lot of vowels and not so many consonants in it. <laughs> um, and then just worked on his arm position a little bit. He was... Uh, had been told by Darren Lehman during the lunch break that he was doing something that wasn't quite right, so he fixed that uh, very studiously while everyone else was tucking into their uh, dal rice and roti bread. And the change that he brought when he came on after lunch had changed ends for reasons that weren't all that scientific. Um, But then I remember Tim May once saying when he took something like five for seven in a test against the West Indies at Adelaide Oval, in the middle of it, he said to one of his teammates, they're coming out so well, it's scary. And I think that's pretty much what was happening for Steve O'Keefe after lunch. He just, every ball he bowled landed in the right spot and you got a bottle those moments. Haven't you been confused for Tim May here in India once before? I was. I signed several autographs on Tim's behalf. And Tim, if you're listening, (laughs) I do apologise because they are now valued as pieces of paper. Second innings for Australia. Uh, Coley didn't muck around this time. He brought on the big gun straight away. Ashwin and Jadeja opened the bowling and they removed Warner and Sean Marsh very quickly. Marsh was opening the batting because poor old Matty Ronshaw, he can't take much of a trick in this test match. He was off the field for the entire first session. Crook again. He can't take a trick, can he, Rambo? He later caught one in the arm and then booted on the field. He... He looks like he's in a, bit of, in a bad way for much of his innings, but to his credit, he guts it out and put another score on the board. Uh, yeah, I think those people, uh, they, I think there was even a former Australia captain that were questioning his uh, courage and or commitment to the cause. I don't think he could do that anymore. He's uh, came back, was forced to bat down the order because of the amount of time he'd spent off the field. Um, and like you say, wore one on the arm that looked like it might have been a broken arm for a while. Um, and that caused him... A great deal of distress, not just in pangs, I think, but I think it all might have undone some of the good work that had been done in the nausea stakes earlier in the day. So 
Um, he's lost a lot of weight. He's uh, gained a lot of respect. Now, while Australia caught like they had super glue on their hands, India had butterfingers dropping four catches, including Smith on Is that 20. Like butter chicken? But it, no, maybe including Smith on 23, 29, and 37, and then Murali Vijay. He dropped Renshaw on 25. You'd think at this point those misses are going to come back and haunt the home side. Uh, yeah, Stephen Smith looks very, very focused and driven to make a score. The fact that you give a guy of that caliber three lives, um, you can imagine if the roles were reversed and Australia had dropped Virat Kohli three times before he got to 50. Oh boy. There'd be uh, a lot of angst in the dressing room, I would have thought. And um, I don't think it's been... You know, Stephen Smith wouldn't describe it as one of his great innings, but it's nev- he's never played a more valuable one, I don't think, in conditions that are incredibly difficult to bat in. Some of the Australian players who were in and around the breakfast buffet this morning. Sam, I know you dined early, so those of us who came down a bit later... Uh, we're having a chat to a couple of them. They said they've never batted in more difficult conditions than the day one pitch. Um, they'd probably change their tune now. They probably the most difficult they've ever seen is the day two pitch. Um, mm. But yeah, that's, and you got to feel a bit for the subfielder too, who dropped two of those catches. Um, you, not much you can do as a substitute fielder other than you take what comes your way. And if you put a couple down, you don't get a chance to redeem yourself with the bat or the ball. You just uh, you're marked for life as the bloke that dropped Steve Smith. Yeah, bit like the guy that dropped the World Cup. That's right. And the worst thing is, if, even if you do take a catch, it doesn't get credited to you. No, that's right. You don't even get those in your career stats. So it really is a thankless job. It's a bit like um, bowling spin and being a podcaster. Smith finished the day unbeaten on 59 from 117 balls. Uh, but the whole innings, the whole straight innings was a little bit more upbeat. The scoring rate was 3.1 compared to the first inning scoring rate of 2.74 runs on over. And that was probably boosted a little bit by that Mitchell Stark blitzkrieg at the end. Perhaps there's a little bit of less pressure when you've got 155 runs in your back pocket, Rambo, but the Australians looked much more positive and much more competent in the second innings. Yeah, there was a feeling when they went out to bat um, after the, the calamity of the collapse that uh, perhaps they'd got swept up in the pace of the game as well. I mean, David Warner reverse swept the first ball that he got for four and then hit the third or fourth ball he got for four and then was out by the end of the first over and they one, were sort of one for one ten. For ten yeah. uh, and you thought that scoring rate... They made, it gave the impression that they thought we're going to get the same sort of treatment that the Indian batsmen got and we need to get runs in a hurry, otherwise we're not going to be able to get the lead that we need to uh, force a result. But sort of sterner or wiser heads prevailed in the after tea and they um, were far more judicious in this shot selection. Um, you know, even the guys that got out between tea and stumps, uh, Hanscom and Renshaw, had played pretty handy knocks and hung around with Steve Smith to build some partnerships. So... Uh, they think they've throttled back a little bit. They've realised, they, they certainly showed in that last session that batting on that is not impossible, which nope. may make them think that uh, anything short of 350 may not be safe because you never know. Well, that was going to be my next question for you, Andrew. I only preempted wa- that. Only once has a team chased more than 300 in India and won, and that was India in 2008 when they scored four for 387 to beat England in Chennai. The Australian lead is 298 at the moment. You said 350. Is that the minimum that Australia has to get to tomorrow? I would think that 350 is going to be difficult, but I don't think they would feel safe um, mm. if with anything less than that. Um, a lead of pretty much 300 at the moment with six wickets in the shed. If you can't find another 50 or 80 runs there, you've not only kind of opened the door, but you've also probably handed a bit of momentum to the opposition if you've lost wickets at that clip. Um, you then only need to have an opening partnership from the opposition of 100 and suddenly you're starting to feel a little bit nervous, I think, mm. um, given the calibre of batting that India have got in the shed, even if they didn't show it today. Uh, so I would have thought 
Um, given the amount of time that's left in the game too, the weather forecast is good. There's no suggestion it's going to rain, Sam. It's bright, sunny and beautiful here in Pune. Um, so with three full days, um, you'd have to think that if they ideally would push on past 400 in front, there's no need for them to declare and set a target. They just bat for as long as they can, get as many as they can and then start the uh, the work of trying to secure a win. I've got my own stat too, by the way. Throw it up. That's a very unfortunate term given what's been going on on the field uh, <laughs> in the last couple of days. But uh, the last time India lost their first seven wickets for less than 100 was uh, against Sri Lanka in Gaul in 2015. Their first or last seven wickets? Their first seven wickets. Okay. For less, oh, less than, than 100. Oh, pardon me, go on. Yep. For less than 100. Um, and they lost that test by 63 runs. They haven't lost a test since. Oh, dear. Ominous, Rambo. Is that a portent or just a poor stat? I'm not sure what portent means, so we'll go with poor stat. Uh, this is sort of tailor-made for Mitchell Marsh. He's on 21 at the moment from 48 balls, two fours and a big six. If he can go out there and bat with Steve Smith, who hopefully for the Australians will get a, uh, another Test Match 100. But if Marsh can go out there and really stamp that number six spot, make it his own with a really important half centre, another 50 or 60 runs, and get Australia beyond that 350 towards 400, that would make the world difference, not only for the Aussie team, but for Marsh and his confidence. Uh, it could be a bit of a defining innings for him. It could have been another um, disaster. I think he had uh, a narrow reprieve with a review that uh, was overturned. Uh, he re- he reviewed and was uh, well. He was given the benefit of the review. Yeah. So he could have been out for a couple of single figure scores in the test, which would have put him under enormous pressure, given the fact that he didn't bowl uh, in the f- India's first innings. wasn't needed. So um, runs are pretty much his currency. But this may actually be a career shaping innings if he can hang around. The more he stayed out there, the more comfortable he started to look. Um, and he's kind of a dangerous player in these conditions because now that he's tightened up his defence, he does pounce on anything loose and scores reasonably quickly when he's given the chance. So he's um, if he stays there for any amount of time, he is going to score runs. Um, and like you say, if he can hang around with the captain and they can get a substantial partnership, then uh, that could be not just match-defining, but series-shaping. Good grief. Okay, prediction time. We've got a bit of momentum on this podcast, Ram. We've got a couple of predictions right in a row. Let's hear yours. What's going to happen tomorrow? Is tomorrow the last day of this test match? No, it'll go in narrowly into day four. I think the Australians will, uh, because they have so much time, they can bat for as long as they want. I can't see them being bowled out before lunch tomorrow. Maybe between lunch and tea they may find, given the conditions are difficult. Um, there's a very difficult pitch to start an innings on, so... Now that the uh, top four batters are back in the shed, um, you lose another wicket now, you're into the, the keeper and the tail enders. Um, it's going to be difficult for them to start an inning. So uh, once a wicket or two falls, it, it may tail away quickly. So, And then I, I can't see India batting as badly as they did in the first innings. Um, they're going to be set a sizable chase, but uh, to have them bowled out in two sessions or less Again, two ice in one match, I think, is probably beyond the pale. So I'm picking a finish sometime, well, lunchtime-ish on day four. And who's winning? Well, we didn't have to go that far, did we? No, we didn't have to go far. Andrew, thank you. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back tomorrow, Sam. I'm loving it. Until then, head to cricket.com.au for all your news, scores and video on Australia's Qantas Tour of India. <laughs>